0: Welcome to the King's Cost dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Here it goes. Morning everyone. You doing alright? Turn to Matthew chapter 6. Uh, the title of my message this morning is uh, stress. Everyone feeling it might be for them. <laughs> you know, we could do this thing where everyone, you know, bow your head and raise your hand if you're feeling stressed. It would probably be everybody. <laughs> so, I think uh, I think there might be something in this for uh, all of us here today. I want to talk about uh, stress. I want to. Speak from the Scripture about what the Bible uh, has to say about stress. Uh, for stress, I guess we could include the word worry or fear or anxiety, you know, etc. That whole group of <laughs> words that none of us quite like, but all of us become acquainted with at some point. And uh, so, I want to read the the words of Jesus to you. We're in. Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to pick up in verse 25. Matthew 6 and verse 25, uh, where Jesus begins to teach on the topic of worry. If You are there? Say, aye. Okay. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. Let's just stop there a moment. Wouldn't it be just great if we just managed to do that? Wouldn't that be great? If you didn't worry about your life. Sometimes when I read this, I think, Lord, you've got to be kidding me. I'm not supposed to worry about, I've got, I have worry about, you know, when Jesus said, don't worry about anything. I think I worry about everything. Do not worry about your life. And now we get into the specifics. Do not worry about what you will eat. Well, that's half of us stressed already. Or drink. Or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food? I think, Lord, is that is that a trick question? (laughs) Is life not more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. They have no business acumen at all. They don't think of the future, in other words. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? Or a single cubit or centimeter to his height? And verse 28, why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. And yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, Will he not much more clothe you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, uh, "What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Hmm. Let me begin by just making two. Brief comments. Number one, any uh, idea that we may have picked up over the years that to become a Christian means the reduction of stress is probably not true. In fact, when one looks at the Bible, one finds that God's people are very often highly stressed. Because they have become God's people. By that I mean, God, quite often doesn't he, makes people do things they don't really want to do. Right? Am I, am I telling the truth? So Moses was quite happy before he encountered God in the burning bush. Probably his stress level was a good deal lower. And then he met God, and God said to him, "Now I want you to go on a highly dangerous mission where if i 'm not with you you 're going to die at that level. I want to suggest to you that possibly his stress went up, not down, right when the apostles uh uh, were charged by the law to go out and preach. I want to suggest to you that rather than singing like King David down the pathway, they probably found themselves in, in positions of fear and nervousness and stress. And uh, what about Gideon hiding in the, you know, in the wine press and things. That we, you, f- you find God's people are constantly hiding from their call and from their uh, divine responsibilities. Paul says this. The Apostle Paul says this. The Apostle Paul. Right? Not the Corinthian youth leader. All right? Uh, although, you know, I'm sure he, he, would, he would say the same. The Apostle Paul said this. In 1 Corinthians 2, verses 1 through to about 4, he says, When I came to you, I sought to know nothing except Christ and him crucified. He says, in another part of that section, he says, When I came to you, I I didn't want your your faith to rest upon man's power. uh, But on the power of God, look at verse 2 of this uh, section. Number 3, go to verse 3. I came to you. In weakness and fear and with much trembling. Now that's the Apostle Paul. What do we normally call weak, fearful and trembling? We normally call it stress. So I want you to imagine you're Paul's driver. You've driven him to the meeting. And on the way in the car, he's trembling with fear about showing up to preach wouldn't you turn to him and say, Paul, are you sure perhaps you shouldn't just take up drumming or uh, something? Paul, are you sure perhaps you shouldn't just uh, uh, be the car park attendant here at Corinth rather than the preacher? The point I'm making to you is, and so when you get to verse 4, you get signs and wonders, but you only get to signs and wonders once you've been through verse 3. And that's why if you want miracles, if you want to see miracles, you better get out there Tuesday. And you might have to get through verse 3 to get to verse 4. Anyway, I'll get off that. <laughs> I'll get off that. So the first thing to say about stress is that while we have a kind of a, a Christian message that says, well, cast your burdens onto Jesus. This automatically assumes that by following Jesus, you're going to have extra burdens. That you're going to have to cast on him. Right? Jesus says to his people, he says, I want you to love your enemies. Well, that means you're going to have some then, does not it? Right? And so I found that uh, before I was a Christian, I was really quite happy, you know. And then I became a Christian and then suddenly a whole lot of Fresh jobs had to be done. and I had to reach the world now. And God called me to do things that I was uncomfortable to do. All right. Is everyone understanding me? And so it's going to be the same for you. It's going to be the same for you. So there's a sense in which being nervous. I love what, of course, the apostle says to to Timothy, his his, um, apprentice. He says to him, you know, God has not given you. A spirit of fear, but one of power and love. But the reason he says, he's not just, he's not writing to him a little theological thing for his fridge. He's not giving him a song lyric. Timothy was scared to minister, and Paul has to say to him, I want you to fan into flame the gift of God or stir up the gift of God that's within you. Don't be silent because God isn't the one giving you. A fearful spirit. God's spirit comes to give us power and confidence. But Timothy had to yield over to that power and confidence. Yes? It wasn't natural to him to do so. Very often it will say uh, in the book of Acts that when the Holy Spirit came, the people became bold. B-O-L-D. Bold. Boldness was a sign That the Holy Spirit was coming upon people. Well, that infers, doesn't it? That without that experience, what's the opposite of bold? I don't know. Scared, fearful, nervous. So that's the first thing I want to say. That uh, when we talk about stress today, I'm not going to suggest that we're going to pray at the end and all your stresses are going to be taken away because I've found that uh, actually the more you go on with God, the more things he gives you to do, and quite often they are beyond our comfort zones, and and, uh, if you want to be comfortable, then you don't have to listen to me today at all. But in terms of going on with God, there are people here who need to go on with God, and in fact, if anything, you need to become more uncomfortable rather than seeking to be more comfortable. I.e., get yourself out there to a place where if god doesn't show up you're toast you know so god calls us to a degree of stress anyone who's achieved anything in life is probably stressed right do you think that a businessman doesn't get stressed or do you think someone who achieves things in life doesn't get tired and so sometimes I wonder if we preach a kind of a utopia that all the time I'm going to be full of energy and and just I'm, I'm, nothing's going to stop me and I'm absolutely fine. Well, I, of course, there are times when that can happen. But there's a whole load of other times where that may not we may not feel like that, but we're going to do it anyway. Can you say amen? Can you say amen? That's the first thing. Number two, I want to just say That When dealing with stress, I want to just acknowledge in public, so I'm very, very clear, that of course there are those that suffer in a more medical way in regard to anxiety and stress. And uh, and some of the things I want to say to you this morning in the next few minutes uh, are, are really more geared towards the normal anxieties and the normal stresses of life that we may face. And I am not negating in any way the need that some have to seek specialist help, medical help. Uh, Very often, people who are stressed out and become depressed or anxious, it's not because they're weak at all. It's because for far too long, they've been carrying far too much. And so, in fact, uh, people who struggle with all sorts of what, are, what I'm terming medical anxieties and medical stresses, often these people are not the weakest people. In fact, sometimes they're just simply the strongest people who for far too long uh, had to carry far too much. And uh, so, uh, so I just wanted to make that really clear today. And, and people should avail themselves of any uh, you know, forms of you know, godly, godly help that there is. So, Matthew chapter 6, Jesus teaches on stress. What does he say? So, I've thought of three or four things. Let's see how many we get done. That I think he, he, he says, relate to the problem of stress. You ready? All right. Number, number one, delay. Delay. Look at this verse. Verse 34. The very last verse of the chapter. Therefore, he's just said that the Father is going to provide. In verse 33. And then verse 34 therefore, because of this, that's what therefore means. Whenever there's a therefore in the Bible, you must see what it's therefore. And it means because of this. Do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's an amazing line from the Bible. And its application to you and me is phenomenal. Jesus says that trouble... Is okay, but worry is not okay. Don't worry about tomorrow because each day has enough trouble of its own. Do you know what? Most people in this room, you're perfectly fine with trouble. You can handle trouble as long as you're in it now. But the delay is what kills you. Everyone get me? It's the delay. So, for example, this week, I got a phone call from someone that I don't really want to talk to. Now, I know none of you have anyone like that in your lives. Maybe it's me. So I got a phone call from someone. I don't really want to talk. And late at night or mid-evening or whatever, I, I saw it. And, of course, I did the British thing. I didn't answer it. But that means, that means I've got to ring him tomorrow, doesn't it? So rather than pick up the phone right then and there and answer it and have trouble. I substituted trouble for worry. Right? And so then I spent, and I knew that the person wouldn't be free to talk to me until the evening, so then I spent, and my wife would tell you, the next day, all day, worrying about the phone call that I had to make at 6 o'clock instead of answering the phone at 8 o'clock the night before. Now, Here's the good news. When I spoke on the phone, it was fine. Hip, hip. No, it it was better than that. Hip, hip. Yeah, It was fine. It was a pleasant conversation. But I had all day to imagine what the phone call was going to be about. Now, here's the thing even if the phone call had been difficult, which on this occasion it wasn't, but even if the phone call had been difficult, that's called trouble, and I could have handled it. I had the capacity to handle it. Yeah, everyone everyone get me? When trouble comes, we can handle it. But here's what we can't handle. We can't handle waiting for trouble. Because then you end up in the arena of worry. Worry is never about now. Worry is always about tomorrow. Or, you know, or later. So worry is always about some kind of tomorrow. Where's trouble, you can handle it. And so, this is what Jesus seems to teach. Each day, has enough trouble of its own. Try confessing that over your life, night and day, by the way. Each day, each day has enough trouble of its own. But don't worry about tomorrow. Because tomorrow can worry about itself. So let me ask you this. When it comes to Dealing with stress, dealing with fears and dealing with nervousness and your personal anxieties. Can I I ask you this? How much do you think of those anxieties that you carry and those stresses are, are really connected with trouble? And how much of it is actually just connected with putting off the fight or putting off the conversation? or putting off the issues. Now, I will, I will grant you, sometimes you can't speed up your life. I get that. I understand that. I've, you know, I've had an estate agent. So I know. I know. I've phoned a plumber. I, I know that you can't make things happen as fast as you'd like. So there are plenty of times where we can't speed up life. But what about where we can? What about where we can? And you'll find these people, don't you, in life? that uh, Two sort of types. One type of person doesn't like any kind of confrontation, steers away from trouble. Another person, they seem to like confrontation, don't they? It's like they want to punch people. That. They want to cause, They want to have it out. I've got a friend like this, and if there's any difficulty, he wants to have it out. He's always taking his calls. He loves trouble so much, he got himself a phone charger, a portable one, so he could regularly have confrontations over the phone. But what I find about his life is while he has trouble, he doesn't have a lot of worry. Now, there's another group of people, the more timid group, the more uh, cautious group of people, the I don't want to have any confrontation with anyone type group, that are much more likely to have a whole load more worry and stress in their lives because they're putting off to tomorrow what perhaps they could just trouble themselves through with today. Everyone understand what I mean? So I want to encourage you today. And it feels like an odd thing for a preacher to say, but anyway, here we go. Have some trouble, will you? You know, where you're going to have trouble. Have it. Maybe you'll survive. Right? Maybe you'll be okay. Or you can worry about it, which is more expensive. Because worry is paying interest on the problem you haven't got yet. You're spending more energy worrying than you would be confronting or dealing. You know, uh, listen, please don't go out here and start. Uh, if there's a massive punch up in the coffee room downstairs. Yeah. Uh, you know, nothing to do with me, but at least we've got it over with. Uh, Joe, so perhaps you should maybe get St. John's ambulance in early. But Trouble, you, trouble's fine. Worry kills. That's what Jesus says. Right? So let me ask you, maybe there's a few things you can think. Maybe I just should deal with things. Now look, here I am, hypocrite. I'm the guy who didn't answer the phone on Tuesday, right? But what I'm saying is, that it just occurred to me as <laughs> as an example. Of how I wound myself, I had a terrible Wednesday. I had a terrible Wednesday. No, I'm waiting for R. Oh, I had a terrible Wednesday. No, it was worse than that. Uh, I'm turning into Bruce Forsyth now. But it was my fault, really, wasn't it? Because so I didn't take the call. You can handle trouble, but, you, but worry can, can uh, kill you off. So one of the ways to deal with stress is to run at the problems, not run away from them. Have a think about that. Number two. What's number two in our little list? Atheism. (laughs) You say, Pete, you're in the wrong room. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Atheism. What do I mean by that? Well, look, look what Jesus says. He says to, the, to his disciples. He's, this isn't a sermon going out on the Radio 4. This is to his disciples. Look at Matthew chapter uh, 5 and verse 1. and He speaks to his people. So Jesus says to his disciples, and you know, we're going to assume that his disciples are not atheists. In fact, in many ways, in, in, in the Bible world, there's no such thing as an atheist. Uh, uh, when the fool says in his heart, there is no God, what it means is that's how he lives out his life, as if there is no God. But no one really in the ancient world Uh, ascribed to atheism as a a kind of a secular religion like we have widespread today. So you weren't really an atheist in the ancient world in the intellectual sense, but you could be an atheist in the sense of your behavior. I.e., you said you believed, but you lived as if you didn't, right? Well, now we're getting a bit more close to how we might be. You say you believe, But you live as if you don't really believe. So Jesus says to them, look at the birds of the air. Look at the grass of the field. He says to them, these elements of nature, these creatures, this grass, can believe God for provision in a way that you can't. The birds do not labor or spin, you know. They don't store, put away in barns. The grass, the birds, do not operate in the business realm of getting ready for a rainy day. They're not worried. They're not stressed. And he says, because it's not that they don't care. It's not that the grass in this illustration doesn't care about how it looks. It's not that the bird, the early bird, does not want to catch the worm. It's that they know this, that their heavenly father will feed them and clothe them. Now, let's not get into a whole thing about whether birds are saved. Um, to let, ask that at Alpha. <laughs> week nine. And if you want to know the answer, are birds saved? The answer is not all. <laughs> <laughs> I was feeding the ducks this week and there was a swan in to attack. He's definitely an ungodly bird. <laughs> but your pet parrot is probably born again. We're not not asking, that's not really the point, is it? The point is this, that the birds believe God, but God's people don't believe God. So one of the things about worry is this, it might be that you're not dealing with things that you need, you, you need to have some trouble that you're avoiding. So that could be one thing. Another reason why you might have worry is because deep down inside, you don't really believe that God knows where you live, what you need. And 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 this is something to pray about. This is something to say, you know what, Lord? Uh you know, I've done everything, I'm here, I've been baptized, I've received the Holy Ghost, I dance around, I'm 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 preaching, I'm I'm sharing my faith. But deep down inside, right? Can we just be honest a minute? No one's listening, are they? It's only a thousand people listening online. Uh, Just deep down inside. We don't really believe. Now, it's not that we don't believe in God, but we don't quite, not quite sure God knows exactly where I live. And certainly, we don't think God has got the same diary that we've got. Because God, I've told God that we've got to move by the 22nd. And God, uh, how many of you have worked out now that God has no clock at all? You you tell God it's got to be done by Friday. It's almost as if it doesn't have to be done by Friday. In heaven. There just seems to be, you know, sometimes... Uh, um, uh, Jane and I are about to go abroad tomorrow. So I've just looked to see, you know, what's the time difference between where we are now and where we're going. And it's almost as if heaven's time difference. Uh, y- you just can't get it on an iPhone, you know. You-, you-, you can't work it out. Lord, you know we've got to sell this house by the end of March. You know, somebody once said, you, you want to make God laugh? Tell him your plan." Oh, Lord, we've got to. Lord, you know that my granddaughter needs to be saved before she goes to the universe. Oh, does she really? Well, Lord, you know that I've got to get this job. And you're there commanding the door to open. Lord, open the door. I'm commanding it to open. You're drinking Ribena. You've used the name, you've used the word, you've pled the blood, let the door open. Look, you've even spoken in tongues. And what you don't know is if you interpreted the tongues, the tongues that are always in the will of God, said something like this. No, Lord, keep this door closed. The person praying is a fool and does not know your plans. There you are in life's, you know, temporary traffic light. Gentlemen, I assure you, revving will not make it go green. I've tried it. I've tried flashing my lights. Anything. Green. Go green now! I said now! I said now! It's, it's, it's red. I've found one way to make it go green. Put your handbrake on, and then immediately it will go green. But other than that, we're not in control. We hate not being in control. And not being in control creates something called stress or worry, or fear, or anxiety. I'm worried. Because I can't, I'm not in control. That's right, you're not. Amen. That's it. Sometimes you need to trust him rather than looking at what's happening. Somebody said to me yesterday, and I was sharing it with some friends, Someone said to me just yesterday, when things go wrong, our instant reaction is to ask, why? But that's not a good question. When things go wrong, our question ought to be, what should I do? Not, why has this happened? But, what should I do? Because, why has this happened, says, I don't trust God. What should I do, says, I am the Lord's servant. Jesus said, look at the birds. They've got more faith than you. They don't know what's happening. They have no idea how they're going to be fed tomorrow. But they know this, that their father is going to feed them. How much more valuable are you than they? So sometimes we have to say, you know, I haven't got a worry problem. I've got an atheism problem. Right? Now you know. It's all right. You don't have to come back next week and see me. Just pity wherever I am. I've sort of got an athe- I've I've sort of got a belief problem. And we're going to have to believe God that he knows best. When we haven't been fed or clothed in the way that we thought. And certainly not when we thought we would be. How many of us know a God who comes through at the 11th hour? Ask Lazarus, he came through at the 13th hour. Yes? Mary and Martha had every reason to have deep trust issues with Jesus. Where were you? Where were you? But Jesus didn't want to bring a, he didn't want to do a healing. He wanted to do a resurrection. So I want to encourage you. One of the issues of anxiety is actually connected for the Christian. With actually a mistrust of God. And often that's because we've been disappointed before. We've got reason to feel nervous. Because those demands we made of God before he didn't meet those demands. But that's why our faith should not be in the promises of God, but it should be in the personality of God. God is not an ATM cash machine. that if you just get the right codes, you get stuff out. God has uh, Sovereignty. Heard it this morning, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. Number three, materialism can be a problem in stress. Look how Jesus changes the sermon's direction. He says, Isn't life more important than clothes? It's almost as though not only are they, they don't believe that God will provide, them, but in fact, He tells them off at the end. And He says, Don't the pagans run after these things? Right? All the things they wanted. Jesus says it's the pagans that run after these. It's the, the people outside of a covenant with God that run after these things. Let me ask you this question in regard to your own battles with your own stresses and strains and anxieties and fears and disappointments. Let me ask you this and I'm asking myself too, how many of these disappointments, stresses, strains are actually connected with getting things that we want? And because we haven't got them, we're pressing in all the more to grab them. Do you know what I mean? That the reason why I'm anxious it's not because I'm actually in any danger at all. But it's because I want things that I haven't got. Right? Now, we can look at this and say, well, basic needs like food and clothes. All right, you. Those are, of course, basic human needs. And if people do not have food and clothes, then we should take care of them. It's so good getting stressed because uh, you didn't get the right seat on the train, is it? There's a new stress now in the last 10 years. The fear of losing Wi-Fi. Walk into a hotel. Where's the Wi-Fi code? <laughs> Got to have it. Where is it? I need it. The woman's trying to sell you breakfast. No, no, I, no, 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 I don't need that. But I've got to know what's going on on Instagram or I'm really g- just going to be a, a broken man. If I haven't got Wi-Fi, then work can't send me uh, um, distressing emails for me to worry about. Jane will know when I'm particularly tense when I'm bidding on eBay. To pay peanuts for some second-hand rubbish. Sometimes there could be a a real fear, can there not, of materialism. So so, so it's just a kind of a question. It won't affect everyone here. But, But can I ask you, how much of your fears are sort of connected with getting things? Or the inability to get them, I guess. The inability to get things that you feel that you've got to have. Let's not be like pagans running after the things of the world, right? That's really the heart of that. I've got to have this. I've got to have And I've got to have it by Monday. And I've got to have this. By the time I'm 40, I must have achieved this. There's all that going on. Maybe particularly for men. here. Sometimes a man will get to a, a certain birthday and doesn't really want to celebrate it because, well, by the time I got to this age, I thought X, Y, Z. Sorry, Z. And, and our expectations of life. Well, I didn't think that I'd be in this job at this time of my, you know, it's, I, I thought this was going to happen. And sometimes even things you thought God was going to do and in, in a certain time frame. And really, we just need to say, Lord, I just need to admit today, I am not very good at knowing the future. And you have not promised in, in this word to reveal the future to me. You have promised to order my steps. But you have not promised to show me the future. So having my steps ordered, well, that's, that's the trouble for the day. But thinking, how's it going to be in the future? That's worry for tomorrow. Turn with me to Philippians chapter 4. We'll do one more. Everyone happy? All right. You got time for one more? So things that cause stress, delay, sometimes of our own making, sometimes not. Atheism, or a life thinking of atheism. I'm not really believing God's going to help me. Materialism, a desire to have achieved or to have obtained. Things that God never had on his list for us. Or not yet. And number four, negativity. Let me read you Philippians 4 and verse 4 through to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. And I'll say it again. Rejoice. Look at verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. (laughs) Really. Most of us are anxious about everything. Anyway. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Here we have, okay, one of the ways to deal with this is to pray. But look at verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, and I want you to, I, I know you know this verse, but can you just pretend you've never read it before? The peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will God. Your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus now wouldn't that be good? wouldn't that be good if there was a God on the inside of me a god now what's what's it guarding it's guarding two things. Tell me what they are my Heart and my mind, so let me uh, without without messing with it, let me say how I think and how I feel. Yes my heart and my mind. the Greek word the Greek world <coughs> didn't quite differentiate them quite like that, but that'll do for now. wouldn't it be marvelous? if there was a God, and the God was the peace of God, that guarded my heart and my mind, or guarded how I thought, and guarded how I felt. But here's the issue. We've done our praying. Look, we could finish now, and we could have the keyboard player come, and I could say, okay, everyone who's got a worry, I want you to come and you're going to cast your burdens onto Jesus. So we all come, people cast their burdens, the music's playing, people are crying, we leave. By Tuesday, maybe by Sunday afternoon, you might be no different. So you've got to ask, well what are we doing wrong? I've I've believed the Bible. I've believed that the peace of God's going to guard my heart. I have brought my thanksgiving. I've rejoiced in the Lord. And I have done verse 6. I have prayed and petitioned with thanksgiving and I've presented my request to God. Why doesn't it work? Why am I still stressed out? And I haven't even got Wi Fi to download a Bible verse now. So listen, don't be afraid. But I Why doesn't this work? Why doesn't this work? Where's the God? Where's the God over my heart? Where's the God over my mind? How come I don't feel good? How come I don't think good? How come I don't have peace that passeth all under? Where is it? Because I've done everything. I've rejoiced. I've prayed. I've petitioned. I've given it to him. But by the time I've got to my car, it's waiting for me there. In fact, somehow it's got in the car already. Because I suggest to you today that we shouldn't have stopped reading. So let's read verse 8, not just verse 7. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. The Bible tells you how to think. Some people say, oh, well, I don't want to go to that church. You get brainwashed. Good. <laughs> My brain could do with the wash. Amen. Now, I know what they mean. But boy, oh, boy. If only we could be brainwashed. I.e., have our brains washed. The problem with brainwashing is this. You have to do it yourself. Think about these things. Whatever's lovely. Well, stress ain't lovely, is it? Doubt and unbelief are not true or or admirable. They're not peaceful. Think about such things. And then he says, and look at this put it into practice and the god of peace will be with you here's what i want to say to you and i'm beginning to land my plane we may we may fly around stansted a little bit but we are landing i'll let you know when the runway's free here's what i think we do with this i think that we cast our burdens onto him we do all the praying but then we simply refuse to do the next bit. The Bible tells me that I have to think. Now, let me use a general word, positively. Now, listen, I'm not talking about positive thinking. Not all positive thinking is Christian. But all Christian thinking is positive. Not all positive thinking is Christian, but all Christian thinking is positive. Why is the God of peace not guarding my thoughts? Because I'm not. Why is the God of peace not guarding my heart? Because I'm not. My mind is going all over the place to gloom, to fear. It's all going to go wrong. I'm the guy that gets in the elevator and says, oh, we're going to be trapped in here. A few months ago, I was in London with some friends. And too many of us got in an elevator with a birthday cake. So there's, we're all crammed in. About eight of us and four others. And, and a birthday cake. Creamy. And I said what I always say when I get in an elevator. I say it all the time. Do not come in an elevator with me. I say it all the time. Ooh, did you see that film where they, those people got stuck in a lift? Now, don't get all charismatic on me. I had no power to break that lift. It broke because the service contract was rubbish. Not because I said some hocus pocus. And the lift broke. And we were stuck in there. And now I know exactly what happens when you press that emergency button. You know that one that says if you stop, press this button. I can tell you what happens. Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. A little voice said, oh, don't worry, they're on their way. (laughs) What, across London. Great. We started looking at the birthday cake. (laughs) And then a couple of them (laughs) looked at me and thought, well, you know, if we killed Annette him." Might go another day there's even dessert no negativity for some of us, we've become so used to thinking negatively. it's not going to work it's it's going to be hopeless i'm I'm no good, you know all that. I'll never do that. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. Nobody loves me. Nobody likes me. I'm not gifted. Yeah, whatever it is. And I want to encourage you with this. It's time for you to realize that actually, maybe the answer to turning around some of that that's going on in your mind, it may involve a trip to the front. It may involve a fresh empowerment of the Holy Spirit. But you're going to have to go home and put into practice thinking in a different way. I said this to a friend about a year ago. I said, It's taken me all these years to work out this that the way to change how I feel is I have to change how I think. And I thought that if I could just change how I felt, that would change how I thought. But it doesn't work. The only way to change. How you feel is to change how you think. Whatsoever things are good and pure, think on these things. You must think differently. And then it might change how you feel. You say, well, where's the peace that passeth all understanding? Do you know what? You're only going to find the peace that passeth all understanding. Do you know where it is? It's passeth all understanding. That's where it is. You only get peace that's beyond understanding when you are beyond understanding. When it doesn't make sense. But God wants to come and minister that peace to you. I want to encourage you today. Let me finish with this thought. And I know you'll hear this on the recording. But one day I was going to preach somewhere. And Phil, Pastor Phil said that he would drive me. I was delighted. To cut a long story short, he didn't really know the way. Now he said he did. But you may know if you travel down the M11 that there's a certain point where if you've missed the turn-off, you're going to Stansted, baby. Phil felt that there was a route. In fact, such an incredible route, they hadn't built it yet. And so we and Emma's in the car, and we're driving down the M11. And we get to the Stansted bit, And now we're heading back up the M11. Now, I'm not going to tell you that he drove fast. But I can tell you that we went back in time. My life flashed before me. Which is quite good because there's a few things I've been trying to remember. The The problem with going the wrong way down the M11 is once you realize it, you have to go back up the M11 the same amount of time that you went wrong, yes? And so when we're talking about changing how we think, that probably can't happen in an instant. You can decide, I need to get off this road. But it might take you quite a bit of, of self-determination to think differently. It's, it's not going to happen. What can happen is you can decide but the journey may t- take you a little while to begin to develop into a different you. So I want to encourage you as I, as I finish this today. Stress is here to stay. Stress is something that those who serve God will experience. We're supposed to be out of our comfort zone. How did you think it would feel? So we're not trying to eliminate it. But let me encourage those of you who who would rather have worry than trouble, you're kidding yourself. Go have some trouble today. <laughs> Number two, ask God, Lord, have I got a lack of faith? Is it, is it a kind of an atheism in me? And maybe set that. Number three, are you sure the things you're worrying about are really important? Or are they just that you wanted to get things and achieve things? Even the pagans run after these things. Jesus said, you shouldn't be worried about those. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. It's not about whether you're a businessman when you're 40. It's about whether you've sought the Lord and his righteousness on your 40th birthday. It's not about whether you're married. and, and you, It's about whether you're seeking uh, God's kingdom and his righteousness. And finally, number four, have a think about the way you're thinking. Whatsoever things are lovely, make yourself think on these things. And the God of peace will be with you. Why don't we stand together? Thank you, Lord.